Welcome to Inside Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting, a global strategy consultancy that helps business leaders seize competitive advantage and amplify growth. Inside Exchange is our forum dedicated to the free, open, and unbiased exchange of the insights and ideas that are driving business into the future. We exchange insights with the brightest minds of the day, the most daring innovators, and the doers who are right now rebuilding the world around us. Hello there, and thank you for joining us on this podcast brought to you by LEK Consulting. My name is John Weber, and I'm a partner at LEK, and I'll be the host for this session. In this episode, we'll be covering a few topics uh, related to the state of the fitness industry. We'll talk about three areas in particular. First is the state of the fitness landscape uh, overall. Uh, secondly, we'll dive into uh, fitness market trends. What are the latest happenings in the industry from our perspective? And then we'll look to round out the session by touching on some of the fitness investments themes that uh, we see based on our experience and where we see the market going into the future. Our hope is that you find these perspectives interesting and importantly useful. It's obviously been a bit of a wild ride the last few years and making heads and tails of what's been going on hasn't been particularly easy and, and certainly um, we will do our best uh, to do so, but we do look forward to sharing our perspectives. So with that, let me just start by saying a few words about LEK. I won't bore you with that too much, but for those of you who might not be familiar with us, we are a leading global management consulting company. We focus on uh, growth strategy and M&A, and in essence, help companies uh, grow their businesses and create value. And while as a firm, we do serve many industries, we have very deep expertise across the health and wellness landscape. It's an area where we do many projects during the year, and we've been doing that for many years. And in particular, fitness uh, is an area which obviously is the focus of this episode. We have advised the likes of uh, various different companies, including leading gym operators, equipment brands, certification providers, technology platforms, as well as investors, so just to name a few. I should also say that we are very proud to be celebrating our 40th anniversary as a firm, uh, which is very exciting. So before we begin, I'd like to ask the three of my colleagues, Alex, Jeff, and Anna, who are also here with me today, to introduce themselves as we will all be sharing our perspectives as we go throughout the session. So Alex, I'll have you start. Great. Uh, thanks, John. Hi, this is Alex Evans. I'm a partner uh, based in Los Angeles, and I lead LEK's health and wellness practice in the Americas and have done a lot of work over the years in fitness. So excited for today's podcast. My name is Jeff McQueen. I'm a partner in the LA office. I've spent a lot of my you know, past 10 years here at LEK working with John and working with Alex on various health and wellness projects, and in particular have started to focus more on, on the fitness industry over the last uh, you know, four to five years as the, uh, you know, the COVID pandemic has created a lot of uncertainty in that industry. So looking forward to, uh, to the discussion today. Hi, everyone. My name is Anna Andek. I'm a senior manager in our Chicago office, and I work as well in our health and wellness practice. Excited to be with you here today. Great. So with those formalities covered, let's dive into our first topic, uh, which is the current state of the fitness industry. So it's obviously an understatement to say that the fitness industry has been heavily impacted by COVID. And in many ways, it's been clawing its way back, so to speak, uh, ever since. And we're still in uh, the throes of that, if, if you will, in some areas more so than others. 
Alex, uh, perhaps you can get us going and, and uh, start by sharing with uh, us some perspectives that you see around the current state of the industry and where we are today versus pre-COVID. Yeah. Uh, thanks, John. Uh, happy, to, uh, happy to speak to that. So as you said, John, COVID had a meaningful impact on, on the fitness market. Uh, it drove a lot of uh, gym location closures, uh, particularly as we look at the smaller and independent brands. But actually, a lot of concepts actually expanded during COVID. If you look at concepts like Planet Fitness and Exponential, they actually expanded units uh, during COVID. That being said, we look at data from you know, mid-2022 when we see surveys suggesting about a quarter of uh, pre-COVID gym members had not yet returned to the gym. So we know that there are some lingering effects. But as we sort of look past, look at the past year, um, we see that, uh, you know, Gym industry has rebounded. We're about 10 or 15% below our pre-COVID levels in terms of revenue. And even though we haven't had the uh, typical January bump that you see in fitness memberships the past uh, couple of years, we've actually seen some positive trends. And we've had our first normal January this year uh, since, uh, since 2019. So yeah, we're not quite all the way back, but we're certainly on the way there. And, and just to build on Alex's point there, there, there is some nuance to how this, this rebound has, has occurred. And, and when we think about framing the fitness market, we really think about, you know, really four different main segments of, of in-person fitness gyms and, and, and fitness clubs. You know, the, the first being HVLP, so high value, low price. This is the, the Planet Fitnesses and the, the Crunch Fitnesses of the world, um, generally with that $9.99 price point. Uh, the mid-market, which is more, you know, LA Fitness, a, a chunk of, uh, you kind of independent operators and, and, you know, regional chains that are, you know, will have monthly memberships in the $50 to, to $70 range uh, on average. Um, and then there's the premium segment, the lifetime and equinoxes of the world where, you know, can be, you know, $150 plus a month for a membership. And then the last segment we think about is boutiques, which is, you know, a, a number of the, the, the brands that have, have really grown over the last, you know, six to eight years, the Orange Theory Fitnesses, Various boot camps, you know, solid core, exponential fitness, those, those types of, of segments. So when we, when we think about those segments individually, they've absolutely experienced different levels of, of, uh, of bounce back. HVLP has really been the big winner. Um, when we look at the data, they're, they're, we think they're about, up about 20% versus pre-COVID levels in, in 20, so 2022 versus 2019, uh, really led by you know, Planet, Planet Fitness, Crunch Fitness, driving a lot of location growth. Capturing share, uh, rolling out that nine ninety nine price point to a, a broader audience across the U.S. Uh, we've also seen you know a lot of a lot of success at the HVLP two So these are locations, you know, high value, low price locations that are have a bigger footprint, offer more amenities, and and really focus on on you know providing that extra value above and beyond just you know strength equipment and cardio equipment. And those are the you know Vasa Fitness, EOS Fitness, Choose Fitness. Uh, et, et cetera. And so HVLP has really been the big winner in terms of segments. And so they're, they're back above and beyond uh, pre-COVID levels. Next up, mid-market. Mid-market was challenged before COVID. Uh, it's even more challenged after COVID. Uh, we think they're, you continue to be hollowed out the mid-market and, and see this segment down, really down about 30 to 35%. So it's been a pretty big drag on the, the overall fitness industry and just continue to face challenges as they you know, are, are, are seeing increased competition on the value front from the HVLP players and increased competition on just the, the amenities and the experience from the, the premium players. Uh, the premium players are, they're 
coming back, but they're still not quite back to pre-COVID levels. They're down about you know five to ten percent versus pre-COVID. And really, when you think about Lifetime and, and Equinox, and, and Lifetime is publicly traded, you can look at their data. Um, it, it's interesting to see what's occurring there because membership is still down in the you know the ten to fifteen percent range. Uh, but they've really been able to increase prices, and we've seen similar a similar story with Equinox and and some of the the credit card data that we look at, where it, members aren't quite coming back, but they're able to increase increase prices to to offset some of that that delta. Uh, Lifetime is in a bit better of a position, just with their you know kind of more country club type of uh, type of offering. Well, whereas Equinox, just given the you know the more urban environment and you know given the shift to remote working, it may may still be some headwinds there. Um, so it still seems a little bit off, but uh, you know, given the strength of those brands, we'll be interesting to see you know to what extent they're able to to claw back to to pre-COVID levels here over the next year um, as we you know continue to have more more normalcy in the environment. Uh, Boutique Studios it depends on the the modality, depends on the you know the location footprint, but Exponential here has really been the the, the big winner. They are you know going you know gangbusters. Their revenue is up. Versus pre-COVID, uh, you look at their AUVs doing doing very well, but really they're the exception, not the rule. Uh, a lot of the other brands are are still facing some some challenges and have have rebounded, but you know still a bit of a, a gap between where they are where they were pre-COVID. Um, thinking specifically about you know some of the boot camp style offerings, the the high intensity interval training types of workouts, uh, we see you know a lot of those brands still being down about you know five to to ten percent. Uh, maybe a little bit more in some instances, uh, and some brands are are obviously you know struggling a little bit more. Um, think about the spinning brands now competing with a you know a much bigger Peloton audience that is has grown over the last several years, and so dynamics definitely vary within boutique in terms of across the different modalities. But have have continued to see you know some of the the leading players build on their 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 strength and and continue to grow. Thanks, Alex and Jeff. That was. Uh very interesting. And, you know, just picking up this concept of boutique, one related area, but one that's certainly getting a lot of attention is at-home fitness. Uh, Anna, what can you tell us about what's happening in the at-home fitness market? And importantly, what do you think the future holds for it versus other areas of the fitness landscape? Thanks, John. Well, maybe we start a little bit on the digital connected fitness side. So we know over the past decade, there's really been a proliferation of digital and connected fitness services. And obviously during COVID with the closures of the gym, even more people working out at home and Peloton and all of those connected fitness equipment pieces and services. But that really led to intense competition coming out of COVID. And as Jeff and Alex talked about, the return to in-person has then caused a correction in the connected fitness market. So Decreases in, in valuations, announcements of layoffs from brands like Hydro and Peloton, and increasingly focusing on cost control. But really, the consumers still want that experience. So we've seen you know continued search traffic interest in you know at home fitness equipment, and we've seen people continuing to really indicate that they want to have some aspect of at home workouts. So we see some opportunities still you know in connected fitness moving forward, particularly with brands that have an an established installed base, and for those who have multimodalities, so bikes and rowers as an example. But it's it's really not just about digital versus in-person. We see really, and we kind of expect to continue this hybrid approach for consumers. So taking a best of breed. So 
maybe I'm, you know, going to my HVLP and then also belonging to a studio to do some yoga. I have my Peloton at home and we see people getting outside more. So hiking or golf, tennis. So really the expectation we have is is a hybrid approach moving forward and consumers really not relying on a single provider for their fitness needs. Thanks, Anna. Very interesting. The point about hybrid is is one that we have seen in a lot of our own research as well, and I thought it might be useful to just share a few perspectives from our consumer work. In 2015, what we, we saw is that 19% of health club members had multiple memberships. If you flash forward to 2021, that number had risen fairly substantially to 26%. So clearly, um, there was a group of uh, consumers who are finding the multiple membership uh, concept attractive. And when we further look at different populations within the marketplace, we, we see some interesting nuances as well. You know, for example, um, when you look at studio fitness members, 80% of those members have more than one club membership. And when you look at other areas like Peloton users, for example, 60 5% of Peloton users tell us that they belong to a gym when they first purchased their Peloton. So there's clearly a, a segment here in the market that is already very hybrid focused and taking a best of breed approach, as uh, Anna had mentioned. And importantly, they're willing to pay for it. On the other hand, though, we, we do see the other side of the spectrum, which is only about 28% of members, if you think about just fitness only clubs, only 28% of those members have uh, multiple memberships. And so um, there's quite a bit of way to go there, and that's not to say that everybody in that group is going to want to or even to be able to afford multiple memberships in the future, but um, it does feel like there are pockets of consumers there um, which would appreciate a multi-modality uh, fitness regimen, and there is white space, but um, some gaps would need to be closed for that uh, really to to happen, things along the order of more education around the value proposition, configuration of concepts to meet their specific needs and so forth. But the incremental white space is something that, uh, as we pointed out earlier, there are modality-specific concepts that are focusing and, and taking advantage of this. But there's also concepts such as HVLP 2.0, for example, who are trying to package more services, including classes, under one roof to get at this. And so rather than have the consumer have multiple memberships, if you can have a great value with multiple modalities under the same roof, that could be pretty compelling. And so we'll see where that takes us. But an interesting area is, uh, Anna mentioned, I just thought would be uh, highlighted by some uh, interesting perspectives from our consumer work. Let's now move on to our second topic, which is current market trends. And obviously, there are many to talk about here. But Alex, share with us what you see as the major trends impacting the fitness market. Great. Thanks, John. One of the trends we're seeing, we think this is really amplified by COVID, was the move towards more holistic wellness in terms of what consumers were looking for. So holistic wellness is around a consumer thinking about all aspects of, of their wellness. So it could include mental well-being, sleep quality, healthier eating, and of course, fitness. And where we see this manifested is in certain areas like, like recovery and the broader wellness movement. In recovery, we've seen uh, several emerging areas, things like IV drip therapy, red light therapy, infrared saunas, cryotherapy, and even assisted stretching start to proliferate. We've seen some gyms you know, start to expand beyond their, their traditional offerings and offer um, these, these recovery services to their members. You know, for example, 24-Hour Fitness uh, has partnered with iCryo to offer 
recovery-related services, and others like Planet Fitness and, and Crunch have also expanded their, their offers around recovery as well. These are major chains in, in the gym space. We expect to see others you know, in other categories, you know, smaller players, you know, start to get into you know, these recovery-related services as well, because we think there's a lot of opportunity there. Alex, I think another one is kind of centers around data and personalization. So consumers are increasingly leveraging wearables and, and seeking out personalized feedback on their performance to really track and measure progress towards fitness goals. And, and to your point on more holistic wellness, the technology around wearables is, is really be gone beyond what it was before. So you know, tracking an increasing number of physiological metrics. So not just the steps I take in a day, but blood sugar, blood pressure. So really allowing someone to see a more holistic view of, of performance. The American College of Sports Medicine, you know, recently indicated that wearables is the number one fitness trend so far in 2023 based on some of their survey work. So an interesting trend in, in terms of data and personalization. And this one is even more important for younger generations who we know are becoming a bigger portion of gym members. Yeah, and it's also important to think about some of the evolving trends within these consumer demographics. When we collaborated with the, uh, the URSA team to draft the 2022 State of the Consumer Report, you know, we saw some of these trends continue um, as, as younger members make up a, a larger proportion of the base. You have more engagement from the Hispanic population uh, and, and so forth. Um, and so we see this, this shift in the consumer demographics that are going to be important to you know, to, to address and, and build into your, your future, um, you know, f- future roadmap and, 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 and initiatives. Gen Z, for example, is, just tends to be more fitness oriented compared to the, the broader population. You know, about 70% exercise at least several times a month compared to only about 60% of the general population. And they're also, you know, about 20% more likely to work out at, at a gym on a, you know, on a weekly or monthly basis than the the, the general population. And, and it's interesting when you look at the different generations and you kind of what their preferred exercise modalities are, right? You, when, you, when you get older, the, you know, the boomer generation, it's generally around like aquatics and stretching, you know, some light cardio. Gen X is much more around, you know, strength training and weights and, and throwing that around. And then you get into, you know, millennials and now Gen Z, and it's much more of a community-oriented fitness. It's the boutique classes, it's functional strength, kettlebells, that, that sort of thing. Um, so it is a different approach to fitness. And then Gen Z also, you likely will need a, just a different approach to capture them as, as members, right? Because they have a kind of a unique set of needs compared to the rest of the population. They're, they're younger. They may not be, you know, they, they may still be in, in school. So maybe they only have, are, are in town for, uh, you know, the summer or, uh, you, you know, a shorter duration. And so having more flexibility in memberships can help attract Gen Z into locations. Social media and influencers are also key marketing channels to to tap into this group, and they are you know particularly engaged with with you know kind of the omni-channel fitness approach and connected fitness, and, and use you know Peloton or, or Hydro or, or or some of the other uh, offerings that are are out there. Uh, on the flip side, the the older uh, part of the population, the, the 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 boomers are you know continuing to. To age and and but remain a, a you know an attractive opportunity for for gyms and and fitness clubs. They are highly motivated to you know exercise and kind of maintain that general health and wellness. But they're looking for different things out of their gym membership than than younger members are. Um, so investing in more low low impact equipment or offering activities like water aerobics can can help bring this this group in. 
and, and just really a focus more on you know exercising to feel good to be able to play with your you know grandkids that that sort of thing can can help differentiate and attract you know folks from from that member segment. Yeah, it's interesting. Gosh, there's just so many trends, aren't there, happening? And um, you, you've all touched on some really great ones, you know, particularly related to the fitness industry. I'll just throw another one out there, which is a little bit broader from an adjacent perspective that I think has implications, obviously, for those in the fitness industry and how you deal with it. But it's just in general, consumers living more active lifestyles. And there's always been an aspiration for that amongst US consumers. And sometimes they're able to do that, sometimes they aren't. But we've clearly seen you know, through COVID, some pretty material upswings in, in some areas. Um, some areas as broad as hiking, for example, you know, that's that's one where you've seen a lot of participation growth, you know, a segment which was growing around 5% a year for the decade prior to 2019, you know, that surged around 16% from 19 to 21 and, and is, you know, uh, sustained reasonably well. So pointing out that consumers are just finding other ways to be active not always necessarily in the gym or that type of environment. It's being active, it's being social, having fun. Another fun one that, that people like to talk about a bunch is pickleball, which, which surged tremendously over the last few years and the last couple of years, in fact, uh, the Sports Fitness Industry Association named it the fastest growing uh, sport. And so that just tells you how people are getting out and being active and, and pickleball as being an example, um, while still fairly niche, is is an example where it's fairly broad-based, as is hiking, by the way, um, in terms of just ages that can participate and you know ability to do so on a re- you know, reasonably frequent basis as opposed to necessarily paying for monthly memberships. And so we'll have our eye on, on that as well as you saw golf, as well as other areas saw some participation gains. So while some people do have certainly more time to spend with work from home and otherwise to be fit and live active lifestyles are doing so in the gym as well as outside. So we need to be aware of, of those things that I'm sure will continue to evolve fitness concepts as they, they try to augment their concepts to, to try to cater to all these different areas that consumers are getting into. So with that, why don't we move on to the last, the last topic. It's been a great, great discussion already around the industry and, and the key trends, but we did want to spend a little bit of time and get some final thoughts on overall industry attractiveness and opportunities for investors in particular. So uh, with that, Alex, I'm going to turn that back over to you to kick us off on that topic. Sure thing, John. We're still big fans of, of the fitness industry as an area for investment. Like that it's a, it's a large market, 30 plus billion dollars. We think there are good uh, tailwinds and, and long-term growth potential in the market. There's a, a passionate consumer base and as we've been talking about, there, there's ongoing you know, innovation in this market, which creates new opportunities. But as Jeff pointed out, uh, different segments of this market have very different profiles and, and can boom and bust. And so um, you need to be thoughtful about where you play in this market. One of the most direct ways to participate in fitness is investing in the franchise groups of successful uh, fitness concepts like Planet Fitness or, or Crunch. Uh, we know a number of uh, uh, private equity funds have gone this route. And as we discussed earlier, another area we like is, is the recovery and wellness services market. You know, with consumers looking for holistic, healthy solutions and, and innovation in this category, you know, new concepts are emerging. Uh, Restore Hyper Wellness uh, is one of the few concepts that has achieved some scale so far. Um, most of the others are small, uh, but they bear watching. 
uh, as this market's growing rapidly. And undoubtedly, there'll be more interesting investment opportunities you know, in, in the next couple of years. We'd say before investing in any of these recovery concepts, uh, we recommend a, a thorough due diligence process really to understand the sustainability of the, the consumer proposition and the economic model, as undoubtedly not all of these concepts will survive, but we think some will. So, uh, so again, we, we remain bullish, but uh, certainly you need to choose carefully where you plan to invest. Yep. Yeah, Alex, couldn't, couldn't agree more. I think the, 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 the growth we're seeing in recovery is, is, is exciting, but it's still pretty nascent. So we'll be interesting to see you know, how far that is able to scale, if it's able to truly be you know, kind of a national footprint, or if it will be more a, you know, kind of a, a high-end, high-income type of offering. Uh, I think the, the jury's still out, but I'm curious to see how, how it evolves. Beyond recovery and some of the franchisee groups, I think just thinking about some of the segments and where investors can potentially place their bets, we just, in general, we like, uh, we like the ends of the spectrum, right? As I, as I mentioned earlier, the middle is, is being hollowed out. HVLP is gaining share. Premium still has a very strong value proposition. And, and this is something that we see in other industries as well. When we think about uh, what's going on in the media world, Right, you see this with with the streamers, uh, the streaming platforms today, where they're reevaluating their content spend, and they're really focusing it on you know premium prestige TV on one hand, and the other hand is you know low cost unscripted content that can provide a you know the content tonnage to to keep you engaged with the with the platform, and, and so it's it's really hollowing out those those uh, you know fifty million dollar films that that Netflix released a number of you know over the last couple of years there. They're shifting away from that strategy, and we're seeing that play out in the fitness environment as well. As uh, you know, more and more consumers are either opting for HVLP or opting for premium. In particular, within HVLP, we think the the 2.0 concepts here, the the Vasa Fitnesses, EOS Fitnesses, uh, you know, Choose Fitness of the World, I think those are a particularly interesting concept as they look to bring multiple modalities, multiple offerings under under one roof. They've all explored, you know, kind of this this hit style class and incorporating it into their, uh, into their offering. And, you know, if you think about it from a positioning standpoint, you know, it doesn't have to be as good as a, as an orange theory or as good as a, as a, as a Barry's camp. as long as it can be good enough that that $30 price point a month becomes a lot more palatable to a lot more people than, uh, you know, what a, what a boutique style experience can, can cost. Um, and as we look towards the, you know, the macroeconomic environment here over the next couple of years and some of the uncertainty around it, we think those HVLP 2.0 players are, are really well positioned to, uh, to, to, to capture share, you know, moving forward. Great points, Jeff and Alex. Uh, there's certainly a lot to consider as you think about investing in the fitness landscape and identifying what are the right pockets of opportunity as well as concepts to invest in. It looks like we've come to the end of our session. Uh, so to close out the conversation, I'd just like to Thank my colleagues, Alex, Jeff, and Anna for joining and sharing their perspectives on the industry. As always, uh, very insightful and useful. I always learn a lot going, going through these types of things and, and hearing your perspectives. And I'm sure others do as well. For those of you who are interested in learning more, we're always happy to provide more detailed perspectives upon request. And we invite you to connect with us to learn more about LEK Consulting and how we've helped clients succeed and create value and done great work in the fitness industry. Thank you. Thank you, our listeners, for joining us today at the Insight Exchange, presented by LEK Consulting. Links to resources mentioned in this podcast can be found in the show notes. 
Please subscribe or follow for future episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts. Also, we encourage you to submit your suggestions for future insights online at lek.com.